Hey everybody, welcome to the next episode of the Confucianity Podcast. I am really excited today to have my cousin Praveen joining us here today. We have a lot to talk about. We always have a lot to talk about. And now I'm really excited to share some of our personal conversations with you, the Confucianity audience. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce my cousin Praveen. He was raised in India and we were both raised Christian, more or less. Well, for you, but I know my story. I don't know as much about your story. So uh, let's start there. Let's start with your upbringing in India. Talk about Christianity, how you were raised in, in India with it, and how it's also been different in America and sort of your whole journey with all of that. And, you know, feel free to talk about Islam and all these other religions and, and all of these, you know, religious factors that have played a role in your life growing up. Absolutely. So growing up, I always was uh, raised, I was raised a Christian. Um, my dad was a Hindu and my mom was a very strong Christian her dad was a vice commissioned officer in the British Army, and so he got converted when he was with the British Army. And all of them had the same background, Hindu background. So for me, growing up, I had family members who were Hindu, and I had family members who were Christian. But my mom being the main influencer, we followed Christianity. So when I was growing up, I was there are a lot of things I can remember as a, growing up as a Christian that were, things were forced on me. Um, my grandfather, I, my grandfather, he adopted me and he, he was the one who was primarily responsible for my last name as well. So he basically adopted me, gave me, he gave me a good life. At that time, my dad was, I think he was doing his PhD in journalism. So it was a difficult time for him. So my, my grandfather raised me and he's been everything. So my grandparents have been my everything. So I was um, spoiled, rotten with them. But he was a very strict Christian. So the way I was brought up was I had to learn a Bible verse every single day. And I had to recite that uh, in the evening before we ate our dinner. So it was a very regimented, mm -hmm. very strict background where every day I, I was expected to learn a Bible verse and then basically recite it. So um, believe it or not, I ended up learning all the way up to the 30, 36th Psalm. So I can recite from um, Psalm 1 all the way to 36 uh, mm. by heart uh, because wow. I was forced to it's, learn that. It's too bad the most, the most important Psalms start at Psalm 38. <laughs> <laughs> True. And for me, that, that, that was something that was... Um, and I actually went out with my aunts and my uncles and they were like, I, I would go to these revival meetings and whatnot because... Um, We'd have all these evangelists come down to India, like Renhard Bonke, you had um, Pat Robertson, all of these big evangelists who would come down to India. And uh, the expectation was we had to go to these meetings and um, get enlightened and feel the Holy Ghost. And uh, th those were the expectations that um, at least my parents had. Were those kind of charismatic experiences, meaning... Um speaking in tongues and all kinds of crazy True. shit. True. Like, it, was, uh, it was mass hysteria, if you ask me, but um, I couldn't never express my, my thoughts to my parents because um, uh, my parents believed in capital punishment and my dad was, uh, he used his hand very freely till I was 20 years old and 
I never understood that um, because um, there would not be a good debate with my parents. It was more of... Wait, when you say capital punishment, you mean more like corporal punishment? Yeah. Because so capital punishment, I think, refers to... True. Killing prisoners. Right. It, Corporal uh, punishment, I think, is the term for beating kids, right? Oh, so yeah. I, you're right. And um, for me, I, I, I still felt like um, it was like whenever my dad would... Um, I didn't like it. I didn't like it well, most ever. Kids, most kids don't like getting <laughs> right. beaten. But it, it was more where I was not comfortable with um, the way I was treated, I guess. It, mm-hmm. and, and even when I was in college, my dad was very, very strict. And my dad has a great story, too. He, he was a Hindu. He became a Christian because uh, he didn't follow my mom. He, he just wanted to experience things, and he got converted. So he became more strict, stricter than my mom, hmm. which was pretty crazy for me uh, because I already had a strict father, strict mother, but grandparents, you, so you, too. So your grandfather, you said who raised you, was that in the earlier part of your life? It's in, in the earlier past, uh, part of my life. And once my dad got settled, he, he made a lot of money. Um, my dad was very, very successful. He still is. And um, so I went back to living with my parents. And um, so I went, I went to dental school. And my dad uh, spent a whole lot of money putting me through dental school. And I think that was his expectation. It's like, I'm spending so much money on you. I expect you to be well-behaved. I expect you to be a good Christian. I expect you to... Yeah. There were a lot of expectations. And um, uh, the the bar was always high. Yeah. So it was very, very difficult for me because I had to cope with all of that, coping with expectations. And um, it, it was difficult because um, I, I, I think I was the first in a house to go out and smoke a cigarette. Uh, go have a beer. I always went against the grain because <laughs> I had my own thoughts and I, I was not ready to take things the way... The way they've been I, right, I, I, put upon you. For me, like, I had to experience those. Yeah. And uh, um, I had... So coming back to religion and coming back to Christianity, I was like always... Why is this thing being forced on me? Yeah. I didn't feel passionate. I did feel passionate when I was in the teens and I was like going to these meetings and whatnot. I was like, wow, there is a God. I, I felt that. But the more I grew, I, I felt that people were using religion to judge me. Yeah. And that was not cool. Um, I was not cool with being judged um, the way I thought, or at least I You mean still about feel. smoking cigarettes and doing whatever Anything. you want to do, right? It's yeah. like I felt like someone would... I wear, so back in the day, I still remember this. Um, my my aunt was in, um, she was living abroad. She bought me this Michael Jackson t-shirt. And it, it's all of this. It, it's a real cool t-shirt. I, I wish I still had it. And a pastor comes home and he basically says, the devil is working on you. You're wearing all devil's clothing and all of that. And I was like, what's this guy talking about? This is the coolest stuff that I ever had. Yeah. Like, what, what, why are you judging things? Yeah. And the more I had people judging me, oh, you're not supposed to do this. You're not supposed to do that. It had nothing to do with me smoking a cigarette or drinking a beer. It was more like how I'm supposed to live. Yeah. A very regimented, very strict life. And I was like, I want to experience life. I mean, that's the thing. There's there's all these things in life, in society, arts, culture, music, True. like that enrich people's lives, right? Absolutely. And a lot of that strictness within Christianity or religion in general, because there's a lot of other religions that do the same thing. They 
restrict the human experience. That's how I, I think about it. And absolutely, yeah. Uh, for me, even when it comes to art, right? So India is predominantly Hindu, and you have great. There's some really good historical art-based um, scenes over there. So if you were to travel to India, you you'll be going to places which are, are like, let's say, you go to a historical place. It's predominantly Hindu-based culture. The sculptures, the the statues that you're going to see are all Hindu-based, and you were ingrained um, in your brain that that's something. Um, that's not acceptable. It's only your kind or no other kind. And I'm, I was completely against because that. Because of the Christian upbringing. Yes, it, yeah. because of the Christian upbringing. And they, they, but I always went back and I always thought, but my parents were Hindus too. Right. But, and didn't you still have other relatives you said who absolutely. were also so Hindu? So. I would go to their homes and all of my aunts and my uncles were from my dad's side were Hindus. And um, so when I went to their home, it, they would practice Hinduism. So for mm -hmm. me, uh, it was like confusion at a different level. And to layer that up, most of my friends in school were Muslims. Wow. And m some of my best friends were Muslims. And what kind of hurt me about Islam in general was my friends who were the closest, um, been with them for years, always treated me as a kafir. So we had a group of six friends. A kafir. A kafir being a non-believer. So I was a non-believer, someone who didn't believe in what they followed. So and what's the difference between a kafir and an infidel? It's the same. A kafir or an infidel is the same. It's basically okay. one who doesn't follow Islam. Okay. And my friends would always tell me, hey, why don't you accept the shahada? The shahada is where you recite a prayer and you accept that there's no other God than Allah. Okay. So just like the Christian kind of yeah, it's, it's the, the same say thing. the magic words. Yeah, it's 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 just like being born again. Right, you you right. recite a prayer and you're born again, right? right? It's it's the same principle over here. Um, and I was I was very hurt with uh, why why is it that they don't? There's no amalgamation over there. They don't let you be a part of them they're always trying to separate you based on your religious beliefs. your religious beliefs and they're very very and i thought christianity was tough and like you get ingrained and then i started looking at what they were going through and i was like my god even it's worse even worse yeah. it's it's they get ingrained not to accept people who are not muslim so mm. how do you make and and so when you say not accept they accepted you to the certain degree where you were still friends with them for a long time. Right. So they'll accept you at a certain distance. Right. But you always felt that judgment and that tension because they wouldn't fully accept you. Absolutely. And and that is, that's happened. It's, it's still the same. So whenever I go back to India, I still see my friends and there's still that, um, you, you're still a kafir. If you, and my Hindu friends actually were treated even worse. So for me, um, Islam has always been conflicting. And I understand Islam a lot better uh, because I've studied Islam and I can speak a lot about it. Mm. Um, my dad gets confused when I speak about Islam because he thinks I'm converting to Islam. Hmm. And I basically tell him... Just because you know about it. Yes. Mm. And I'm like, I have to tell him, Dad, it's okay to learn about religion. It's okay to experience mm -hmm. things. And I am... See, yeah, this is the problem. People cling so much, not just to religion, but to their po political ideologies and all these things, where if you start to 
interview other people of different beliefs or if you start to read about other religions or other political ideas or whatever, people get so worked up about it. They get so angry and so scared. Oh, yeah. Because they feel they see all these other things as a threat. True. And to, uh, yeah, that yeah. is a fact. And for me, I had this debate with my dad. Um, so I was, um, I was in India March of 2019 um, this year. And um, I was talking about religion in general, and uh, we were having a healthy debate, which I thought was healthy, until <laughs> my dad started judging me. Mm. And I basically was, so he was asking me about different things. He, he understands Hinduism a lot better, right? So, because he, he practiced so he, so it. So he doesn't and, know much about Islam, but he does know Hinduism. Right. Because right, he used to be Hindu. Right. right. And for me, I, I, I grew up, so my, because of my friends and influences around that, and... Um, and, and I basically read a lot about Islam. So the crazy thing that I found, and this is true. Is and what, what, actually, just a real quick question. What prompted you to learn more about Islam? Was it because your friends were absolutely pressuring? I, I think, and you wanted to just be able to understand. Right. I just wanted to or? know. And one of the things that I did was when I went to dental school, I, I had an English Quran. And I would try to understand what is it that, why was I not accepted? Because that was, I was hurt. I was hurt that my closest friends, things um, that I, I did with them um, didn't matter because of my religion and of what, what I believed in. By that time, I was already detached from religion. The way I feel is like... Um, this is what, your early 20s or something? Early 20s. Mm -hmm. And it's more expectations from my family, expectations from my wife, expectations from my in-laws, expectations from everybody else, from them, they feel that I have to practice Christianity so I can be part of the tribe. Um, the well, you, you say, you're talking about nowadays. Nowadays, yeah. yeah. It's like... Because you got married when you were how old? I was 25 when I got married. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, it's been Pretty, a long time. I've been married for about um, 20 years? 18, 18 years now. Yeah, wow. And um, my wife is awesome, and I what I feel about, but she's ingrained. She's right. she can go against the grain. She's an ingrained Christian, and every value that she holds is tied to Christianity. And it's been a difficult journey for her because um, I I don't go to church. I don't believe in organized religion. I don't believe in um, anything that's organized. I do believe that. Um, there is something out there which controls us. There's something out there that's keeping... There's something supernatural that's out there. I, I would not say that I don't believe in God, mm -hmm. but I would not say I'm, 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 I'm not an organized Christian. I'm not an organized anything. I believe that there's something out there that's divine, but I, I leave it at that. Yeah. Because when I was really... Um, when I started getting into Islam and started reading more about it, I found that what, so in Christianity, the fundamental concept is Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, right? Mm -hmm. And your father is called Allah mm -hmm. in Islam. He's the same God. Right. It's the same God. The principle is... Yeah, Islam same. was born out of Judaism with mm -hmm. Ishmael, right? Right. And Isaac. And th that's the crazy thing too. For me, I was trying to wrap my head around all of these concepts. When you go back to the Bible... Um, in the Bible itself, um, when when Hagar is taking Ishmael and running around mm -hmm. um, in the desert, Gabriel comes out, the, the, the archangel comes out and basically tells that God, and he makes a promise. God makes right. a promise to 
um, to Hagar that her generation or Ishmael's generation is going to be like the grain of sand. He's not made that promise to anyone else. So the reality is Islam is going to be the biggest religion at some point. It's a fact. It's written in the Bible. I don't say that way, but it is a true fact. Um, it's a promise that's been made in the Bible and it's ingrained in the Bible. So sorry for kind of moving away. But when I come back to that, it's like Allah is the father, right? And when you go back to the Torah with, with Judaism, there's the father too. So it's, it's only the Arabic interpretation of calling the father Allah that people get confused. But the core of them, the father it's is the same. The same. God. It's the same God. Right. The Abrahamic religions have the same God. And but then with Islam, there's no Holy Spirit, right? There's no Holy Spirit. And they, and they do acknowledge Jesus, but he was just a prophet, right? He's the most acknowledged in the Quran. But he's, he's not, acknowledged he's not a, 96 times but, but, in the Quran. But he's not God. He's not God. He's, he's a, a prophet. prophet. Right. right. And that's what they believe. Because the way you look at Islam is they believe that there's only one father. There's only one God. Mm -hmm. And everyone else is a vessel. And he fulfills, God fulfills his commands of, you know, to get people in line using these vessels. So the way they look at them is as prophets. Um, but in Christianity, it's the other way around because Jesus says, I'm the truth, I'm the way. Mm -hmm. And no one can go to the Father but through me. Mm -hmm. um, he adds a layer, right? He says that in order to go to the Father, you have to go through him. And he basically, once he was crucified and he was uh, in in the cave, he comes out, he, he's resurrected, he comes out and he basically says, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave... Uh, the Holy Ghost with you. I'm going to leave right. a person who's going to provide you some solace. So, however you want to say that, which so, I never really felt. Yeah, I, I all those years. That, that's where I get confused because it it gets layered now, right? So it's mm -hmm. it's the Holy Trinity. It's like why can't I go straight to the Father? Right. Uh, it, that kind of layered attitude, and even Judaism when he come comes to it when he said he was the messiah that's the one thing that's so didn't weird work. when i think back now like being a christian right and trying to pray and right. trying to find some kind of connection and sometimes i feel like i would be god god like the father right and sometimes it'd be like jesus jesus you know like i'm talking to the son and other times i'm like or i'm talking to god like please fill me with the holy spirit or give me some kind of hope or wisdom or feeling of something and no matter how hard I prayed for, no matter which direction of the three, like for so many years, decades, it, it's like I'm wishing and hoping for something, some insight or voice or feeling or something, and it's always nothing. True. But I wanted it so bad, and this is why I always come back to how the power of the mind and how the mind will convince itself of, of something that's not true. We do that all the time, mm -hmm. you know, human beings. Um, but I had, I was so miserable after all of that, you know, by the time I turned 30, I had to just be honest with myself and be like, is this really real? True. You know, and ultimately I came to the conclusion that it's not. I, I went through the same thing. I was like, once you, and I don't know what, you know, I keep thinking now that, you know, if I only spend that time maybe getting into what I was learning at that time, I could be in the best of what I could be. Oh yeah. You mean like professionally. Right. Professionally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like thanks to all the confusion that was created yeah. by society and my 
my tribe, as I would like to say, uh, I, I was confused. So I had to learn. The, the biggest disservice that you can do for, to yourself is not being engaged and not knowing what these people are talking about and being judged by them for things that you don't agree. So for me, I had to know. So that's the reason. And I, I felt like I spent so much of time studying religion. At the same time, I didn't. it doesn't mean that I didn't go to Hindu temples. It doesn't mean that I didn't go and participate in different things that they did. I did. For me, I have the way I look at it is like I'm a complete, I'm a complete, I feel complete that I've experienced different mm -hmm. religions and I've had physical experiences where um, I was not able to separate and say, was it hysteria or, or is the God really real, right? Um, I've experienced that with Islam. I've experienced that with Hinduism. So would you describe that, that as Christianity. you had genuine spiritual experiences in a Hindu context, a Christian context, and in an Islamic context? I would say that, yeah. yeah. Um, and it's 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 and then I keep always going back and thinking, what was that? And then the way I I kind of looked at it is God is the same. People are just calling it with different names, and and I'm not going to be. I'm not going to be bought on with, but I don't want to prescribe to that. I don't want to say that this religion is greater than this religion. Yeah, you don't want religion. to pick one team. Absolutely. Right. And I, I, when I go through that, I always go back to Islam and I think about my, my Muslim friends and I basically think, why is it that they can't accept me? Why is this? And I feel like as the society, it's, we, we are getting more and more fragmented mm -hmm. and, um, when I went to visit my friends in India, um, my friends who are Muslim. Is it a similar dynamic in India as America when you say it's being fragmented? I is would it, say so. Kind of, okay. uh, I, because it's it's the same thing that's happening. People are, there are different motivations for people. Over to there, divide. maybe it's more religiously, but here it's more culturally and politically yes. in America. Yeah. And uh, one thing that people don't realize is you look, a lot of, I have a lot of uh, Muslim friends, and they're really, really nice people. Um, so you can't really take a, you know, you can't paint them all in the same way. Mm -hmm. There's some really fine people. Mm -hmm. But one thing that you have to be ready to accept as a society is they have their own beliefs. And no one, no one can impose anything on them. It's going to be the other way around. Um, they will tell you how it needs to be. They will tell you how they need to be treated. You cannot tell them the things that are ingrained in Islam. It's like, um, people say, oh, all Muslims are homophobic. You know what? Quran says something about it. So they're following the religion and they basically say, look, this is what we prescribe to. This is what we follow. We don't say that they, so they, when, they, when you have this debate about homophobia and Islam and who's right and who's wrong, um, the way you want to look at it is Islam says this is not something that you need to, it's, uh, well, okay, it's not so, acceptable. So you, I, I don't know if I'll get around to this at some point. You know, there's so many different subjects that I, I want to, I am learning about actively these days. Um, Islam is one of those things where I honestly have not, I have not read the Quran. I don't know what's, um, we were talking the other day about that show Rami, right? right? So I just started watching it, and within the first five minutes, it confirmed what my thoughts were about it. Like, just 
the old man getting upset with the kid because he didn't properly wash his feet and he can't go and pray to God until his if his there's dirt between his toes. Right. You know, and that I don't know how true that is to real Islam. I I have a feeling there probably is a lot of that kind of sentiment. You do um, have to practice those things. Yeah, yeah, and that is my general impression about Islam that really turns me off in general. Is like while you're wasting all this time washing your feet and saying these prayers like day after day after day after day and hours like think of all the things you could be doing productively in the world Mm -hmm. and what we were saying earlier when when you when you spent all that time in religion regardless of what religion it was or all three of them that's time in your life that could have been spent you know, doing something more fruitful, I would say. Absolutely. Right? And that's why I have a lot of regret. I mean, we all, most people say like, oh, you shouldn't live your life with regret. What's done is done. You got to move forward and whatever. Fine. I'm, I've learned my lessons, which is also why I don't want to spend more time researching religions because I just kind of have the general, I spent enough time, certainly with Christianity, to know the ins and outs where I don't need right. to spend more time just determining whether it's true or not because I right. adequately you know, proven it to myself that this is a, I don't want to say a false religion, but it's just, it's a, it's a man-made religion. If you look back at the history of the church, the Catholic church, absolutely, uh, reformation, all that, it, it was just used to extort money out of poor people and make feel people feel guilty about their sins. It's, it's all control and manipulation. Absolutely. If you look at the Bible itself, right? Uh, uh, I've heard this, my parents used to say, that's the word of God. And I, like recently when I had the debate with my dad, I said, that's the word of God, true, okay, but it's being put together by people. Mm -hmm. And I basically said, you know what, everyone had their own interpretation or whatever Mm -hmm. they thought about it. And all the books that have been compiled in the Bible are not the complete, so they're different books. Gospel of Thomas left out. All of these have been left out. Right, because they they wouldn't prescribe to what people were trying to preach, correct? So it was only a few that King James Version, why did King James um, need to put together a Bible? Why why was he trying to do things um, differently? Well, he wanted to, the way I look at it, he wanted to uh, shape people's mind or his subject's Mm -hmm. mind. So he basically used the Bible as a tool to get what he wanted, right? The thing that blows my mind and I, I've always been probably similar to you in this sense. When you said earlier in your childhood, you're a very skeptical person. Like, you're always thinking why or what this is all about. And and I'm like that as well. But I don't think a lot of people out there are like that. A lot right. of people just accept things at face value. They turn on the news. CNN says something. And they're like, oh, well, let me get all the facts about the story of exactly what happened. They're going to tell me. Right. And they just accept it. They don't question it. Same person watching Fox News. They get their story and they hear it and they're like, okay, that's absolute truth. This is absolute truth. And they'll be com- completely conflicting accounts on the Absolutely. same thing that happened. And it never registers in people's minds. I'm just giving an example of that with you know, mo- modern mainstream news. But it's the same logic applied to anything like a religious story, a religious book. Even more so than modern day news. Like right. You're just... Oh, wait, exactly your example about the King James Version or like this Bible, I'm just supposed to accept it. Right. Uh, Everything in it is true, even though, I mean, the Bible is so full of contradictions. They're all there right front and center. A lot of times people won't even 
look on page 22 and page 516 and be like, oh, and say, wait, it says this, and then it literally says the polar opposite here. People won't put that together. And even if someone like myself or a, a scholar puts it together, presents it to a Christian, they will still excuse it away. Like, well, you gotta, you gotta put it in context. Um, you have to take the historical, cultural, you know, the, the the Jewish culture back then. So the Old Testament, you know, like they'll, they'll, they'll use all kinds of mental gymnastics to explain away a very simple contradiction. One example I just thought of the other day was if you look in the Old Testament and God commands the Israelites to go kill whatever, the Ammonites, the Jebusites, the whoever, Hittites. And he tells them, kill the women and children, right? Which today, by our modern day moral standards, we would say that's just fundamentally wrong. Genocide. You, you, don't, you don't kill women, you don't kill children, you really shouldn't kill anybody. But like, you know, and the ironic thing is all these people who say today that the only reason we have any morality now is because of God and the Bible. That is where that is the objective standard by which we have all our morals today. And I say, you're saying I and we get our morals today to not murder from an ancient book where the God commanded people go kill women and children. And even when he doesn't explicitly command it, they go and do it anyways. And God doesn't chastise them for that, right? And then flip forward a few pages to the Ten Commandments, and in the Ten Commandments it says, Thou shalt not murder. Right. And this is the same God who's telling them kill women and children, and he doesn't judge them for killing women and children. How in the universe is that not a contradiction? It right? is. And it's like, kill all the Hittites. Isn't that genocide? Right. Isn't that genocide prescribed by God? I don't know. This is what confused me all the time. And that's the whole reason, right? I think hum- like when I think about this, as a human, you need to be driven by curiosity. Curiosity to find the right answer. Curiosity to yeah. find things. We as humans don't give up on a task, right? We, we always want to find an answer. We want to find, um, let's say you're putting together something. Um, let's say you're putting together your IKEA furniture. You'll still put it together. Maybe you're not going to follow all the instructions that have been put together. But at the end, what you want is you want a constructed piece of furniture. So you'll go through the hoops. Maybe you're not going to put in the right screws. You're going to, you, you will glue it up, whatever. And you'll still have in your mind, a functional piece of furniture that you can use. Right. That, that is what. You, Until you sit on it and then it right. breaks. And then you're like, oh shit, I did something wrong. Right. But what gets you to finish that is your human curiosity. It's like, let me finish this. Now, okay, I don't have a screw. I'm going to use glue or whatever. Um, in your mind, you, you, you're trying to always find that. And I think I applied that to its religion. And I wanted to know, hey, why is this God supposed to be superior to this God? Why is this superior supposed to be superior to this God? And why is it that my uncle say that um, eating meat is not good? These are my father's brothers, right? Um, at the end, I did find out that they ate meat, but they were like very, um, when they said 
don't eat meat it meant beef right so that that's what i i was confused with because they were hindu and the cow because they is were a hindu, sacred animal right, right because it's sac- considered sacred and it, it's like the curiosity that um i developed was in a way i i think i always go back and it, it's interesting you brought up the example of the ikea instructions or whatever because i would almost argue the opposite i would argue most people are not that curious most people would i'm speaking metaphorically here but mm-hmm. you know the they would open up the instruction manual for or the directions for assembling the ikea furniture and they would just go through it step one step two and they do what they're told and then they're like okay i did it right it's done end of story so i would argue that people aren't curious or creative even to be like to fill in the gaps with like well maybe if i do this or maybe i do that because out of fear that you're going to do it wrong you're going to assemble it wrong if you veer away from the path the instructions you're going to do it wrong i would argue most people operate more like that isn't that like religion yeah that's what i'm saying (laughs) i'm saying as a metaphor (laughs) right that's why i'm kind of disagreeing with you on how we're all curious like I, i think you might be curious i might be curious but I think a lot of people who, like a, a normal person maybe in your shoes, with all of the parental influence and the societal influence, probably would have just been like, what makes most sense for me right now? What is the most convenient? What is, okay, it doesn't make sense for me to hang out with this, these Muslim friends. Right. Because my parents aren't for this. They don't want me to. And they're also rejecting me because, and to some degree because I'm not. Muslim. So therefore, yeah, I should probably find some Christian friends and have Christian community and go deeper and deeper and deeper into this because mm-hmm. that's those are the parameters of my life that I was brought up with. This is my path laid out for me, right? right. So I would argue that most people will probably do that. Mm-hmm. For someone like yourself or me, we didn't do that. No. But I think we're more of the anomalies. Right. And I think we as humans need to question we need to question all of these things. We need to be, we need to trigger that curiosity that that's within each one of us, right? So we need to ask the right questions. We need to ask, okay, it, some people say that Christianity is not homophobic. Well, they're equally homophobic as Islam. Well, okay, I, this is going back to earlier when you were talking about the homosexuality and Islam thing. I did want to ask this very specific question. Mm-hmm. How much do they talk about it in the Quran? So, Quran doesn't, so the Quran talks about having, so the union is between a male and a female, right? So that is the rightful union. Are you um, talking about marriage? A marriage. So, so they, they do talk about the correct, what a marriage should be in the Quran? True. It's not direct, but it, it is, yes, you have um, indications of the same. It's like, just as um, in the Bible, there's not something explicitly which states that the idea would, but still it's interpreted that uh, a marriage is between um, man and a woman, right? And anything that's against that, because it goes back to that whole story of adam and well, how about, he was lonely what about concubines and all that because isn't that didn't muhammad have tons of young girls as in his harem or whatever oh yeah that that gets really uh confusing but 
and it gets more complicated. Isn't right? that in the Quran? Um, the, the, it, so historically you have things, but not everything is captured within the Quran because some of those are excluded. Um, but the way, the principles of why people feel that is, so you still have the story of Adam or Adam, however you want to say that, both in Islam and Christianity. Adam, Adam, Adam and Eve. Right, Adam and Eve. So the whole idea was Eve was created from the ribs of Adam because he was lonely, right? God created Eve out of the... So Muslims, <laughs> Muslims accept that as well as the True, creation and, story? And, and that's, the, that, that's the whole thing, right? So you have um, Abel and Cain in, in, in Islam too. It's like crazy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like most of the characters that you see in the Bible are there in the Quran. Mm-hmm. And that is, that is the... For me, when I, when I look at religion, I'm like com- completely confused because you have about 3 billion people or add Judaism to the mix, right? So you have about... <laughs> 3.5 billion, half of the population of this complete world believing in the same thing. But it's the division of how they And they've been warring for, for thousands of years. Just look at what happened right. in Sri Lanka. Right. It, people just got killed because, they, because someone thought um, that they didn't belong to their own tribe, right? It's yeah. religion is killing people. Yeah. They, they have been fighting over religion for the, for the longest time, but but when you look back to the core, you if you were to really put some thought and effort and read the Torah, read the Quran, read the Bible, you read the Old Testament and the Bible, and you have all these characters floating out there who are basically floating through all those three religions. And it's like, what are you guys fighting about? What are you really worrying about? You know what it is? It's ideology because everyone wants to be right. Yeah, They want to be right in their own way. And they they don't want to prescribe to, okay, maybe what these guys are saying, there is a bit of truth. Maybe we can amalgamate these. Maybe we can be one. Maybe we can be peaceful. Maybe we can thrive together. All of that is missing. It's it's missing. And I feel completely... I, I'll give you an example. So I was in India and... Um, this pastor was talking about how we're supposed to support Israel. I didn't think that was right because of the human right abuses going on in Gaza and, and, and Palestine and in general. So I, I didn't, I did not like the suggestion. Neither did I want to be treated like a kid where I would just accept what they just said. Blindly right, blindly Israel, no right. matter what. Um, because it's your fundamental duty as a Christian to support right. them. Well, what about human rights? Right. What about them people out there um, where every action of what they do is being controlled? What about that? What about what happened to humanity? Yeah. We are missing the fundamental core of, you know, just, we just want to be, I think I love peace. I want everyone mm-hmm. to be peaceful. So that is what I'm chasing. I've, Christianity has driven me so far away that at the end, I just want to be at peace with myself, not be judged by no God. When you say it's driven you so far away, what do you mean? Like far away from what? From I'm very detached. I'm a very detached. I would not even describe myself as a Christian. Um, I'm a very detached individual who is looking for peace from all these religions. I want them to be amalgamated. I want them to be um, 
I want people to treat people fairly. Mm-hmm. And I want them to treat people with kindness, with, with kindness, respect. respect. Yeah. Um, I want peace to be the outcome. Yeah. And that's the reason why I studied religion. And I can keep talking about religion for so long is because it's, I'm completely confused. I'm confused as to who's right, who's wrong, <laughs> maybe, what's right, what's wrong. Maybe everybody's wrong and that's, that's the True. problem. And, 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 and that's Everybody's the wrong thing. and they all think they're right. Right. And they war forever. Absolutely. And so for me, what I'm trying to do is like completely detaching myself um, from different things and just trying to find peace. Um, hey, you might be a practicing Christian. I might have offended you with what I might have said, but it's the truth. Right. You're not going to find peace by getting deeper into things. You're right. going to find peace by detaching or maybe you're going to find peace by just taking something and following that but i think you you will feel detached when you start getting judged the society mm-hmm. does that the church does that pastors say that imams say that the rabbis say that we've been judged all the time yeah that, you touched on a couple of things there i i want to address and talk about one is when you talk about being judged within the church when you're in religion i remember that feeling and there was almost this joy of leaving the church because i'm out of their reach now right you know it i can make choices for my own life i can have sex i can i don't smoke cigarettes but i could if i wanted to i i drink i can do whatever i want to do i cuss a lot more now and i enjoy it um and I know how Christians treat Christians and I know how they treat non-Christians. And what you see a lot of the times is Christians will actually be more harsh toward Christians. Other that Christians. is true. And toward non-Christians, they won't be as harsh because... They're more accepting. They're more yeah, gentle. Yeah, because they want you to come into, into the fold Ooh, yeah. and they want you to get saved. They want So they'll be really nice to you. They won't judge you because if you judge somebody, it turns people off. It turns them away. Right. So like, say, let's say you're a, a gay, atheist, whatever. Uh, you know, um, you're sinning according to Christian logic or whatever, right? They're not going to come out and say, well, I mean, there are the extremists, the, the you know, God hates fags and all that kind of, you know. You're right. Like, those are just nasty Christian people, whatever. But I'm talking about like regular mainstream Absolutely. Christians. They will go out and befriend, you know, gays and, you know, all these non-religious people, atheists. Because they want to they wanna be ambassadors of Christ. They want to portray this really positive, warm, welcoming image of, of Christianity. And they'll try to, you know, welcome people in. But once you're in... It's only a matter of time before you realize before they're like, well, you know, this gay thing, you got to stop doing that now. <laughs> now that you're saved, you can't. That's a sin before that's God. Then then all the judgment begins once you're part of the flock, when you're in the cult. So that's true. And, you know, it was very clear to me that feeling of being out of it. Um, and it's great. Like I get I not as much so much now as used to when I first came out of religion, but I used to get in debates with Christian friends and whatever. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like I can speak so freely. I can cuss. I can be like, ah, fuck that. That's a bullshit idea. Whatever. You can be you. Right? Yeah, I can be me. I can express myself how I want. That's what and I they, mean. And they don't come back at me and say, 
you know, you shouldn't say that. That's, you shouldn't, you shouldn't take the Lord's name. It's like all their rules, they no longer apply to me because I don't believe their code. I don't believe their religion. Right. And they, they, deep down, they know they can't address me in the same way they used to be able to address me. You know what I'm saying? It's like, because a Christian feels obligated to crest, uh, to judge another Christian, right. right? That's what, when I say detachment, that's what I feel. Like the moment I detach myself from all of this, all of this n- nonsense, I feel more at peace. I am more at peace of not being judged. I'm more at peace of not being in that, forcing myself to do things that I don't prescribe to. And, or, or mm-hmm. I, I'm happier. I'm happier not dealing with all of that. Yeah. And so, But at the same time, it's very confusing for me um, sometimes because um, my wife is, is a practicing Christian. Yeah, that's tricky. And, yeah, and it, it's like my kids... And then there's the issue of how do you raise your kids. True, and and I'll give you this example. My son is an active member of a choir, right? Mm-hmm. So he goes out and he sings. And I think about how do I support that, right? I have really strong feelings about what he should do. Um, but at the same time, the way I look at it is he's going to explore it on his own. Mm-hmm. And he has to find his own answer. If if him being a Christian gives him peace or whatever that is going forward, then let it be. But mm-hmm. what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to take away his individuality and, and try to influence him. And Because that's what your father did to you. Yeah, and it, absolutely. It backfired. And I completely hated yeah. it. Right. I think hate is the right word because I did not like that. And so for me, I'm trying not to do that with my son. I'm going to let him explore. Um, at the same time, I think that's wise. Yeah, and I, I tell my wife the same thing. It's like don't influence things; just let them explore things on their own. And I think it's it's a disservice when you try to influence them and try to push them towards something. Yeah. It's like let them be. And it's like I go through this a lot too. It's like I always think as a parent, how do I raise them, right? And, and this is where feedback comes in. Um, does it need to be critical feedback or does it need to be constructive feedback? Oh, the kind of feedback yeah. you're giving your kids yes. when they do something. Something. Or, and yeah. I feel like I received a lot of critical feedback. So the way I look at it is I'm not going to do that. I don't want someone to say, you're going to fail. If you don't do this, it's going to really harm you. I'd rather say it more constructively. Hey, present the basis of my, if I were to provide advice provide a basis for it or provide him when I give him feedback, um, tell him what can make him better, but at the same time, give him a good metaphor. For example, if you were to pay, play video games, right? No one plays video games to lose. Everyone plays video games to win. It's all about the next level. It's all, all about the dopamine release. It's all about that oxytocin or whatever they say it's 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 all about that right mm-hmm. feeling good it's so so as a human i always use that example uh, to my son i basically say look life is like that video game that you need to play it's all about the next level um so that's my kind of constructive feedback when i give it to him it's like at the same time i, I know i digressed there a bit but coming back to religion i it's very hard. So there's no constructive feedback over there. <laughs> it would only be critical when it comes to religion, but I still don't do that. I stop, I pause, and I think about what my parents would 
have done to me, what is it that I can do not to do the same thing to my kids? <laughs> what would my parents do? And then you try to do the opposite. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like WWJD. I think that right. was what it was. What would Jesus yeah. do? And if you really were to apply those principles of what would Jesus do, we'd be in a more happier place right now. It's like, it's, it's, I don't know. It's like, well, I do find it, I do find it interesting that Jesus never once condemned homosexuality. True, he was all about acceptance and he was mm. all about love, right? Yeah. And but it's all about these man-made rules um, that we. Yeah, have I mean, he he called out the really religious leaders of the day, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, right, for all of their religious propriety and hypocrisy. That's right. who he called out. That's who he was upset with. Absolutely. And then he went and hung out with the sinners, the prostitutes, and, you know. True. With the common people. Yeah. He didn't sit down with the elite. Right. and Who were basically making rules so that they could conform society to what they wanted right. to, right? So in that sense, like, I think that that was always one of the things where I was attracted to the Jesus figure. Because he kind of bucked the system in a sense. Like, he, he, went, he, he, he upturned the... The, the tables and the you've turned my father's house into a den of thieves you know like all that and i was kind of like yeah like yeah i mean when you think about like if jesus walked into joel osteen's church or like all these mega churches with where they he's jesus seems like the kind of figure who would show up at their house and start burning down Joel Osteen's multi-million square foot mansions True. and private jets and, you know. A Benny Hinn, I mean, who, right. all these, when you take yeah. about these people, like, I've been told by preachers that I, God's going to hit my tongue with fire because I am talking about preachers. Uh, at the same <laughs> time, um, and someone even said, God, God is going to smite me if I mm. were to criticize them, but can we just talk about them for a moment? Mm -hmm. Look at what they do to the society. Yeah. It's it's all about them so that they can drive in their Mercedes. Yeah. It's uh, in their BMWs. Did God tell them? If, if, if you were to be a real Christian, if you were to be really humble, you would be a oh, poor man, not a rich dude, man. Dude, there is a sickening video that Kenneth Copeland and this other guy did. They, they were talking about how it's God's will for them to have private jets. And I know. This. Did you see that clip? I, ever? It, it, it is absolutely rotten. And I feel like where did, if you were to be a complete, if you are a true preacher, you would, and if you were prescribing to what Jesus said, you would be a poor man, not a rich man. Yeah. You would be, because you know what? How many beggars do we see on TV every day? The Christian beggars, the preacher beggars. They get on TV and ask for money all the time. Give us money, send us money, send us money. Mm -hmm. Have you seen one program, a Christian program, which basically doesn't ask you for money? Right. Have you seen one person who doesn't... They're always asking you for, the, for your money. Right. Why is money so important? So maybe it's a derogatory term for me to call them beggars, but they are. <laughs> they are beggars because they're always begging for money. I never thought about it that way. Yeah. Why do you need my money? What is my five dollars going to do for you? They're the world's richest beggars. Right. It's like, and God's going to smite me for asking a logical question. Mm -hmm. Hey, the preacher man, why do you say See, that? These are, these are the kind of things I I get all the time in the confusionity comments section and all this stuff is 
you know, whether they're Muslim or whether they're super Christian, people, yeah. people say things like, God's going to judge you or smite you or you're going to burn in hell. And they, they just throw all these threats. I'd rather have be judged by God, but not by you. Right. It's, that's how I look at it. But, well, right? My point is they throw all these threats out there yeah. that I'm like, look, I'm doing just fine. Absolutely. I haven't been smited by God yet. The lightning bolt hasn't hit me. True. And the fact of the matter is, you know what? I am going to get sick and I am going to die anyways. True. We are human. Like, so if you're considering I'm going to die at 65 from a heart attack or I get hit by a car at 49, everybody's got to go at some point. Absolutely. Everybody's got to die. And, you know, it, it just kind of is a silly argument for people to make where... Remember how I said how Christians judge Christians in a certain way? True. The only way they're able to branch out and judge other people, this is kind of when they're like, then they hand it off to God. God is going to condemn you and judge you. <laughs> right. And, you know, it, it's, it's in a warning kind of way. It's in a fear mongering kind of way. True. You know? Um, it, I just find it ridiculous, though, because there's zero proof of any of that. God is and loving, right? So the fundamental premise is God is loving. If but, that's the case, God would accept you and me more than these Christians who are judging what, people all the time. But where do you get that God is loving thing? I think there's so much stuff in the Bible that, True. especially the Old Testament, where God is not loving. True. And it's the flood? Too. How are you going to wipe out all of humanity and mm. say you're a loving God? And so, save just Noah and his family. That doesn't sound like a loving God. That sounds like a, a yeah, you're a right. Vicious, terrible, murdering. Maybe I've, I've been like lost in some of these principles of um, you know peace, humanity, morality, uh, accepting others with all your heart. Some of the principles, uh, same preached by Jesus, Buddha. Right, all of these people basically preach the same thing. So, if there was a God, I would expect that God to be kind. I'd expect that God to be gentle. I would expect Him to accept me just the way I am. Um, mm, I don't get that from I the Bible. Know. I mean, I get that a little more from Jesus. Right, and I think modern day Christianity latches on to Jesus a lot more than they latch on to God the Father. Mm-hmm. If you go to a, a contemporary Christian service, I mean, it's a Sunday morning right now. If we were to go to some church service, they'd be talking about Jesus a lot. Oh, yeah. Because they can point to scripture verses where it is just like Jesus loves you. He yeah. died for your sins. He gave his life. He sacrificed for you. That's how much he loves you and True. all this shit. Um, they don't talk so much about, you know, and God said kill all the women and children and you know <laughs> and god wiped out humanity because he wasn't happy with them you know like they, they don't they don't tend to dwell on those sort of things it's like people pick and choose yeah. what, what they yeah. want to and see yeah exactly the whole whenever an atheist or an agnostic points out scripture and this is what i do all the time with confusionity i take a scripture verse and i show it to people i don't twist it i don't i just say this is the actual bible verse here it is and it's a terrible thing It'll talk about murdering children, women, raping, this and that. Totally fine. And I just put it out there. And Christians don't want to accept it. They will say I'm taking it out of context or I'm 
twisting the scripture or whatever. I'm picking and choosing. I'm picking the bad parts of the Bible. And right. I'm like, I'm not doing anything differently than you're doing. You're right. just picking different verses. Absolutely. We're all picking and choosing. Look at the origin, though. It's coming from the Bible. Yeah, you yeah. didn't make it up. Right. It's if, coming right if from every the word of the Bible is God-breathed, there right. shouldn't be some part where I can pick out and just display it for you where I'm picking and choosing. Right. It, it's just I'm picking different verses than you are to showcase and talk about. You can go to church for 15 years and they will conveniently skip over the verses that are like god commanded go and kill these people yeah it's always Genocide. going to be yeah it's i find that very interesting actually it's an it's like okay we'll just focus on this everything else is out mm -hmm. of it's an outlier everything else is an outlier mm -hmm. and it's the same thing with all these three religions right christianity judaism islam it's when you focus on the father the father is always father being god right the or it's like he's ruthless yeah <laughs> look at what he made he's other a people. jealous god that's yeah. literally in there yeah. so i'm i'm always confused with that so my my vision of a god is like someone who's peaceful someone kind but i'm not looking for something and but I think that's your own version of God. Yeah, it's my own version. I don't even think that's biblical, the God that you're no. thinking in your head. And that, that, that's what, I want to be judged by a God like that, right? So for me, if it ever comes to the final judgment, and if it's all about that, I want, I want to be forgiven for being human, because I was not created divine. Right. I was made I mean, with a lot of flaws. Yeah, I mean, this is the way I look at it. I, and I try not to get down on people. I don't try to call people stupid or broken or fallen or mm -hmm. whatever. I mean, I'm like, the fact of the matter is, people are people. Right. We are obviously flawed creatures. We, we make poor decisions. A lot of people don't operate in their best interests or in the best interests of others. Right. Um, you know, people lie, cheat, steal. And a lot of times... People will steal because they have to survive. They have to steal a loaf of bread or, or whatever, just yeah. to, you know, to feed their family or whatever. So, but I feel like in a Darwinistic sense, we are living beings and every, I mean, animals will kill other animals out in the wild. Like it, it is kind of survival of the fittest, but with humanity, it's, we have a, uh, that, drive inside of us to survive as True. an individual but also as a species so whether it's through procreation or um whatever the case feeding your family anything it's human beings are doing you're doing people are doing the best they can you know i don't think most people wake up and are like how can I go fuck somebody over today you know <laughs> like, how can i go be an asshole to people down the street i don't you know, I think people genuinely, they're, they're self, they're self-interested. They're yes. selfish in that sense and fine. So we have a whole bunch of selfish people walking around in the world, but that doesn't mean everybody is such an asshole, you know, that people are just vile and disgusting. Like it's a mix, True. but I feel like a lot of the worst that we see in humanity is when people are driven to certain conditions right yeah where like their life is on the line or their livelihood is on the line right right like when a guy is down and out he's he's lost his job 
His wife left him, was cheating on him. He's not going to get to see his kids uh, because of the divorce court thing. The guy, he starts drinking alcohol. Like, the guy's on a downward spiral, right? That guy is statistically more likely to start doing some bad shit. Maybe, Maybe he kills himself. Maybe he kills other people. Maybe he... Who knows what kind of bad shit he's going to do. Um, but there's a lot of things that led him to that point. It's not necessarily that he wanted his poor path of decisions and misery. Yeah. Nobody wakes up young and like they don't want to choose a life of misery, but somehow all these people end up on a path of misery. So partially it's the factors, you know, the, the environmental factors, the, the parental influence societal influence it's growing up in a ghetto community some people have the odds stacked against them you know but there's no arguing with that some people have it easier than others but my point is is a lot of people i think just cave in and give up and go down the dark path but a lot of people overcome adversity you know but it's if we truly live in a free society people have that choice to, to make something of themselves or not. I completely agree. And this is where, you know, I'm com- every day I'm that much more confused. I'm that much more confused about religion. I'm that much more confused about gender equality. I'm that much more confused about go- the government in general. I'm that much more confused about how I'm being programmed by the news channels. I'm that much more confused about the message that I'm getting from the society. I'm just completely confused in terms of what is it that I need to accept? What is it that I need to let go? And, you know, that is where the detachment comes in. Detachment from mm-hmm. all of these gives you this sense of release and peace that, you know what, I'm not going to be socially doctored. I'm yeah. not going to be doctored by these TV channels to accept what they want me to accept. I'm not going to go left. I'm not going to go right. I'm going to stay, I'm going to stay, I'm going to stay right there in the center. I'm going to take from the left. I'm going to take from the right. I'll try to make a decision, something which is more suitable for me, right? But I'm not going to be doctored by yeah. all these things, influences, um, things that I'm supposed to be accepting. I think as a male, I'm already accepting. I treat uh, my woman really respectfully. I, 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 I think I'm more compassionate, passionate about what I try to do for her. Always, there are always concessions that you're making towards a woman, right? But still the society says male privilege. I am very confused about things. It's like, just to give you an example, I'm confused about, am I a socialist or am I capitalist? I love money. At the mm-hmm. same time, I, I've lived in a social system. India is a socialist country, right? So I've seen it where... There's very, it's a lot little. You have not experienced socialism to talk about socialism. So you know what? I want people to shut up. I don't want them to tell me how to become a socialist. I have been there. Mm -hmm. Okay? You don't know what it feels like. You're going to be crying. You want to go back. You want to revert to capitalism. Why is India, after being socialist for so many years, driving towards capitalism? Why is China doing it? Don't try to be stupid. See what they are trying to do. They're trying to be a hybrid of a socialist and a capitalist society. Mm-hmm. And here you are, you want to take a capitalistic society and want well, to make it socialist. What is yeah. the matter with you? We, we already have a hybrid. 
Right. To some degree. I mean, yeah, we're absolutely. largely capitalist, but we still have social security. We have some degree of socialism, some public, I mean, we have public services. Absolutely. And, and this is what drives me confused. This is what makes me confused so much is like, wait a minute. There's enough to deal with in this world that I have to take all of this now and try to make decisions or factor that into my daily, just me being me. Yeah. I don't need that. There's only so many hours in a day. Right. And you are a husband and you're a parent. You have your responsibilities. You have, you know, your job. You have a full plate. You, you, so I get it. You can only allot a certain amount of time and energy toward reading about postmodernism and feminist thought and right. all of these other things. So I totally get that. You know, everyone's busy and it's interesting to me because I sit back and I see on TV and YouTube videos like all these people protesting, right? <laughs> so all these people who have taken the time to sit at home and get their poster board paper, get their markers, draw up these signs probably scribble some messed up and do another one and really? all that time. And they get together, they coordinate with their friends, they go out, they pick it, they go, you know, march against Trump or march against whatever the thing is. Right. They have the time and energy and resources to go do that, to complain about, we're not making enough money and, you know, we can't get a job and why are we oppressed in all these ways? They have the freedom to go do that. And I, I sit there and I'm like, how do you people have the time and energy to do that? And the point is, we all have the same amount of time. Right. Everybody deals with a 24-hour day. Absolutely. The question is, how are you going to allot that time? What are the choices you're going to make? So for someone like myself, and again, this is just me. I'm a very proactive person. I'm a very like, okay, is there a problem in my life? How am I going to go about rectifying it? Right. We're solution driven, yeah, right? Right. My strategy is okay. Um, what can I do to better my situation? Absolutely. Is going and drawing up some poster boards and, and joining some picket line or some protest march in DC. Is that the best use of my time and energy that's going to solve my problem? No, it's not. Or is it, huh, I have this skill set. Let me actually watch some tutorials and enhance my skill set and get better at this. And then, oh, I can create these designs or these products and I can sell them on the market and actually make some money. Because if everyone has enough money to, to do the things in life they, they want to do, you know, feed yourself, clothe yourself, feed your family, all these basic things. And then the next level and then the next level, like you said, like a video game, right. you want to enhance your lifestyle and go further up. American dream kind of thing, just right. build and if everybody wants to do that, you, you got to be smart about getting there. Absolutely. And for me, again, as the way I was raised, we don't look for government handouts. No, you know, you work hard, you study hard, you apply yourself, you overcome. I've dealt with my fair share of racism throughout my life and adversity. And I was so made, have I. made fun of in all these different ways. And as a kid growing up, I was ostracized, left out of the dating pool, all of these things. And yet I'm still successful. I still Absolutely. am happy. I still have a full life. I still am enjoying life. And I'm not there out there. I'm not out there protesting for all the things that are ailing me. You know, those are just, you know, it, 
there's so many things going on with all this. It's 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 this sense of entitlement. Yes. And it's a sense of uh, blaming. It's a blame culture we live in, where you blame the government, blame the white man, blame blame the patriarchy, blame. It's a lack of personal responsibility. It's a lack of discipline. Agree. It's a lack of uh, compromise, in a sense, because I was watching this. Have you heard of Stefan Molyneux? No. He's this philosopher, psychologist guy, and I recently started getting into his videos. And he was interviewing this woman who I think was in a PhD program in her early 30s. And she had broken up with this guy, the serious relationship. And she calls in and she's talking about her frustrations and we're all the good guys and all this stuff. And it was really good. He challenged her... Uh, on a lot of her beliefs and things she was saying. And a, when you break it down, she wanted to have kids. Mm -hmm. She wanted to have a great guy. She wanted to have her career. She wanted to do all this stuff with her education and her jobs and earning money, right? She wanted it all. And this is one of the things that's a lie that the feminist agenda throws out there is that specifically for women, can't necessarily have it all. Maybe if some people are coming from some degree of privilege, like they don't have to worry about money, their family has a lot of money, fine, maybe they can have a career a little bit, and or somebody who's really beautiful, she could maybe get away with marrying somebody when she's 32 or 33. Um, so she can have kids and be successful and still do all these things, because they can afford to have a staff of people raising their kids, right? Right. So um, not everybody's going to be in that situation like most people in america the average income is really low so they can't afford to pay for daycare and you know all in a, a maid and you it's know, hard. a nanny so it's a lie that's being sold to regular women out there that they can have this successful career and they can have kids and get married and and be on the corporate board of advisors and, <laughs> and, and be the, the, the CEO and do it all. Like maybe a few women can do that. Maybe True. even a few women actually genuinely want that, you know, but he was breaking it down in this uh, interview with the, the woman, Stefan Molyneux. Um, and he's basically conveying the point to her that you cannot do all of these things at the same time. You can't. No, you can't. And it's, it's, Feminists would hear that and be upset because who is this man to tell this woman what she can and cannot do? But the point is, it's not just for women. As a man, too, I also cannot do it all. Absolutely. You know, like I, I've recently chosen, I'm looking into this whole MGTOW thing, right? And like just embracing the solitary single life. And more and more and more I get into this, I'm enjoying it and I'm liking it. This path apart from dating and marriage and women and kids. So this might be the path for my life and I might actually end up achieving much greater things in life and having much more financial success and freedom and creative freedom to do all the things I want to do in life. When I say all the things I want to do in life, that's technically not true because I am foregoing marriage, kids, which I would also like. But if I want to go down the marriage and kids path, I'm going to have to sacrifice things like creative freedom, things like financial independence, things like control over my lifestyle and travel and all the things that I want to do. Because then all of a sudden I'm going to have to compromise and 
be like, you know, I'm, I'm going to have to think about what my wife wants. Right. And you know full well you're going to have to compromise. And often what that compromise means is you have to do what the woman wants. Absolutely. And forego <laughs> what you want, right? So my point is, just to wrap that all up, is you can't have it all. I don't care if you're a woman no. or a man. You can't have it all. Maybe a few people. I mean, you look at like Ariana Grande or somebody I see where I'm like, wow, some people, they have the looks, they have the talent. They have the resources, they have the money, they have the intelligence, they have the marketing, the salesmanship. They Some people seem to have it all. Right. But these are the rare superhuman anomalies of the Brad Pitts and the... Um, the Jay-Zs. The, or the, the Jay-Zs, the Beyonce's, the Ariana Grande's. Yeah. But that's not the average person. That's not no. the millions and millions of people out there. And I think the reason why so many millions of people are miserable and depressed and on... Ridlin and medication is people are highly dissatisfied with their own lives because they're being sold these lies. Right. People want to be like you can Jay-Z. have it all. Yeah. yeah. And then you're like, why? Why am I so frustrated? And why am I sleep deprived? And why do I not have any money? And because it's not adding up. It's not adding up to the messages I'm receiving. You, we have to move away from being programmed to feeling that way, and that is where I feel like being detached gives me so much more happiness. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I'm full of joy. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not a bitter person at all. I, I love life. I live life. I'm all about now. I'm all about, for example, I'm thinking about the game to start. I'm thinking about the beer I'm going to have. I'm thinking about the wings I'm going to have. Right? That's what I'm thinking about. It's about detachment. It's about being happy. It's about living in the moment. It's about not being judged, not being conforming... I think I'm a big non-conformist. Yeah. And I am always going to live my life that way. Um, And I think some people misunderstand non-conformity because they think you're just going against the grain for the sake of going against the grain. And I don't think that's the point. The point is, it's not just non-conformity for non-conformity's sake. You're actually conforming to something, but you're conforming to your own views. Absolutely. To your own identity. Your to happiness. your own happiness, to your own desires for life. But that's Agreed. the problem when people conform, typically, they're conforming to some societal view of what your life should be. You know, you conform because you're misinformed. That's what it is. Yeah. And they're conforming to the wrong things. Absolutely. So it's funny when you think about it, I never really thought about it that way, but when we say we're nonconformists, in a way, the reality is everyone is a conformist. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of what are you conforming to. True. It should be about your own joy, Mm -hmm. your own happiness. It's all about living now, living in the moment, enjoying it because nothing is given to us. Um, Hey, whatever is going out there, I'll give you an example. Whoever thought sitting in that church in Sri Lanka uh, thought that was going to be their last. Right. Whoever knew, right? I'm just using that as an example. Mm -hmm. So forget about what you want to do 10 months out. Forget about what you want to do, how you want to be 10 months out. Live, in, live for now. Just, yeah. just be happy. Just be, you know what, you're not burdened with anything. Don't conform. Conform to your own rules. Conform to your own, whatever you feel in your heart. At the same time, be kind. Mm-hmm. Be gentle. Have some moral values. Yeah. 
that's all i think that's all you need yeah to be successful like it's interesting we talk about diversity mm -hmm. in our in, in this, as a topic of conversation in, in our culture nowadays and everybody's like yeah we need more diversity we need more diversity and people are only looking at, at it in terms of we need more women on the board of directors and we need more minorities in politics and in all these different, you know, contexts. But this is why I don't like, this is all essentially identity politics, but this is why I don't like identity politics because I would agree that we need more diversity, but in a different sense, mm -hmm. I would say we need more diversity in terms of diversity of thought right. and, and beliefs and opinions. But we're, what we're not getting is exactly that. If somebody comes up with a divergent viewpoint, you know, um, or even us talking uh, about the downsides of Islam or things like that, somebody right. could come and label us this. What we're doing right now is hate speech. Right. And, you know, you know what? I would debate with them. It, it's like about I know more about Islam right. than you. Right. And take it from a person who has gone through it. Right. But that is what it is. People are ready to label you. Yeah, exactly. People are ready to judge you. But this you is see, what... but this is the opposite of diversity. No, True yeah. diversity is not just the color of your skin right? or whether you're a man or a woman. True diversity is Difference freedom, of opinion. Difference of opinion, difference of culture, difference of, you know, I, I think last year I saw some clip there was like, white girls dressing up at the prom or something in a Chinese dress and people were so upset about it. Misappropriation. Like, yeah, racial yeah. appropriation. And I'm like, is this really, is this really the thing at the forefront of what we should be debating and arguing <laughs> about, really? A hundred years ago, people were, the KKK was burning black men on, on, on hanging them from trees and things like that. Like, that is fucking racism. Okay? Yeah. If, if a white girl loves Chinese culture or anime, Japanese, and she wants to dress up in an anime outfit or wear... I mean, and she's doing so in a generally respectful way. Mm -hmm. She shouldn't not be allowed to, to wear fashion of different ethnicities and cultures. That's ridiculous. It but is. this is the... Again, we're killing diversity. That is a form of diversity. If, if one culture enjoys and appreciates aspects of a different culture and they want to eat those foods and they want to wear those clothes why not let them do it let them absolutely you know it's we live in this backward culture now where everything this is why i feel like the scary thing is we're moving away from diversity because what we're moving toward is a culture where you're only allowed to think in the ways this is why the left scares me a lot more than the right these days is because they clamor that you're only allowed to think in these socially acceptable ways that we have defined as being socially acceptable. And if you're outside of this bubble of what we deem to be socially acceptable, you're instantly labeled a neo-Nazi bigot, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> misogynist, just male pig, whatever. They just throw these labels and they won't even engage in conversation about these things. Because they're being driven by analytics, right? Social media has to be at least one of the tools that has to be blamed for this, right? Because yeah. they're looking at social media, they're looking at comments, what is trending right now? Hey, let's make let's yeah. make a policy which is going to keep these people happy. And the right wingers are the same. They, they, it's all being driven by social media, number of comments, what's trending. It's all about that. 
instead of let's do what's right. You know what I really crave for? I don't want to be on the left. I don't want to be on the right. I want to be in the center. And I hope there's a third party that comes up yeah. and challenges these two. And it's, you know what, what I'm frustrated with is that it's not going to happen. Right. People have tried. Yeah. They've not been successful. Because social... Well, that's why I, I will tend to vote third party as much as I can. Yeah. Because what people don't understand is, again, and this is a larger... This is a larger issue with statistics and how statistics can be manipulated and presented to people in a way that doesn't give the full picture, right? Mm -hmm. So with the 2016 election, a lot of people blame people for voting third party as the reason why we got Trump. Right. But the reality is, if you look at the numbers, the amount of people who voted for third party candidates is incredibly small. There is a vastly larger amount of people who just didn't vote at all. True. The non-voters... I believe was the largest chunk of the American populace. Mm. They did not vote at all. So if there's anybody you want to blame for Trump being in an office, it should be all the people who just didn't vote at all. Not the tiny little fraction of people who decided to vote for Jill Stein or the libertarian candidate. Right. You know, Gary Johnson. Um, but again, these are just people. Why do you, who, where do you think those messages are coming from to blame the third party? These are coming from mainstream media outlets where they want you to vote for Democrat or Republican. They want to continue this narrative because all of their news shows are, you know, we got like crossfire kind of thing. We got like blue guy here, red pundit here. Let's have, and they yell and argue with each other. And that's the political right. culture that we, the climate that we live in. That's entertaining TV, yeah, isn't it? Sure. Yeah. So people, they, they don't want third parties coming along. They don't want alternate perspectives they don't want essentially diversity right <laughs> you know true it is well I, and everybody just buys into this and i completely am that's where i, I think i might have said this so many times detachment is so mm. necessary it's like we can't we need to accept that you have greater intellect than being willing to accept social engineering right um engineering of your mind basically someone saying this is what you need to do what about your own intellect what about your own yeah. thought what about respect for your own thought yeah I, I think that is what is important it's like people recognizing my thought counts yeah and you know what if it prescribes and if you your thought aligns with the left so be it right if your thought aligns with the right yeah, so be sure. it Fine. you know what at the end it's about you thinking for yourself and making the yeah. decision and saying what is right it's just right. like it's funny, at the end of the day, you and I are just sitting here, we're just defending principles of democracy, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom of thought. Like, no one time here today do I feel that we, at no moment here today did we demonize Republicans right. or Democrats or Christians or Muslims or Hindus. None. All we did was we shared our experiences with all of these things. And we warned about the dangers of some of each of those perspectives. At the, full, at the same time, we totally acknowledge the rights of all of these different religions and, and pol political affiliations to exist. You know, If we're living in a free society, um, all of these things are, are totally viable. You know? And 
we might not subscribe to any one of them in particular. And we're allowed to share about our experiences and Absolutely. our beliefs, you know. Um, but I feel like the fact that we're even sharing about all these things is necessary, especially necessary nowadays, because we live in such a, a climate where I feel like more and more and more these kind of conversations are not allowed to happen. Right. Because we will immediately just be labeled... Like they want to crush our freedom of speech or right. freedom of non-religion and our freedom of thought. Yeah, and I can tell you, there are like so many, so many of your listeners out there who are listening to us would would basically agree with us. It's it's um, because silent, they might yeah, the silent majority of sorts. absolutely. It's they would they would they would agree that yes, this is how I feel. This is what I think. Uh, this is nothing new to me. This is this is amazing that these guys are talking about this. You know, that, that is what, at the end, I, I think is successful is as long as they can think about, yes, I have my own thought that I can mm -hmm. put into. And it, Yeah, at the I, end of the day, when I, when I engage with, um, in the previous episodes, I had a Christian friend on and mm -hmm. I had a, you know, a very feminist friend on and I bring different perspectives on and we can talk and engage and, you know. I'm not out to convince everybody in the world to think and believe exactly how I do. That is the furthest thing from right. what I'm doing. All I do is I've, I've had a lot of life experience. Like I've gone through, I know Christianity in and out. I've been in that for 30, 31 years. Now I'm sharing about those experiences and what it's like to come out of it. Right. Mm -hmm. And that whole story, that whole path, that whole journey, um, and how, I'm better off for it. And maybe that is encouraging to some people who feel trapped in religion or whatever and feel like there's no other way. And right. I want to encourage people that there is another way. So there's that. But also I was Republican for my whole life, conservative. And then I became Democrat and voted for Obama. And now I'm kind of like realizing my eyes are continually being opened up to truths and realities that are harsh, that are not pleasant. Um, that's why I love the whole red pill metaphor you know from the matrix because a lot of people don't want to embrace the truth fully mm -hmm. they'd rather cling to a comfortable lie than right. an uncomfortable truth um you know that's why confusionity isn't for everybody and that's fine right. but i'm just putting this out there in the universe and i think there is a certain population of people that will appreciate it you know um and I feel good about that. Like I'm, this is, I'm just expressing myself and putting these thoughts and ideas out there in the universe and you know, whoever likes it, likes it. And I think that's great. Um, yeah. Cause I, I feel like there needs to be more of this, but again, like my, my goals are look, you know, if religion is working for you, that's great. But have you really thought about it? Do you think there might be a better way? You know, like, and all of the ways that you're unhappy and miserable in your life, what are, what are you doing about it? You know, True. what are, what are the solutions to your problems? Is religion providing you the solutions to your problems? Is your political party providing the solutions to your problems? Is there another way? Uh, these are the kind of things that I want to put out there, you know? And I agree with you. I think it's all about exploring those new avenues, thinking about how is it at the end, at the end, I think w what you're also trying to convey to the people is, um, Hey, pursue your happiness. Pursue your joy. Yeah. Um, if religion is not it, so be it. Um, at the end, be happy. I think it communicates 
Uh, it it gels with me. For me, when I listen to your podcast, that's that's what I'm looking at. When I hear different perspectives, that's what I'm kind of what I glean is okay. I like that there are other people just like me, um, and I feel like okay, they're being heard. So this is a great platform where you can continue to talk about it, continue to spread the word of joy, happiness, peace, and you know what? At the same time, provide a different perspective. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. We have so many more things to talk about, but we'll save that for next time. Yeah. So come back soon. All right. Thank you. I hope this has been enlightening for you. Thus concludes episode seven. Whether you're Muslim, Christian, liberal, conservative, man, woman, or whatever, hopefully you weren't too offended by anything we discussed today. But even if you were offended by the genuine viewpoints that we hold, that's okay too. That's what free speech is all about. I have the right to speak my mind, and you have the right to be offended by it. But hey, why not talk about it? Let's get it all out in the open. This is largely what the Confusianity podcast is all about. Let's exchange ideas and come to a better understanding of each other, even if at the end of the day we agree to disagree. So yeah, if you have thoughts, counter-arguments, whatever, reach out on all the social media places, instagram.com slash confusianity, or leave a comment on the podcast video at youtube.com slash confusianity. Hopefully by now you're already subscribed to the Confusianity podcast on your platform of choice so you can get notified as soon as future episodes get published. Also, if you've been enjoying listening, please leave a nice rating and a glowing review on Apple Podcasts. And of course, if you have family and friends who would be interested in the sorts of things we've been talking about these last few weeks, send them a link to the podcast. And last but not least, we're approaching 1,000 subscribers on YouTube, so please help us get there sooner rather than later. The URL is just youtube.com slash confusianity. Not only can you access all podcast episodes there, but check out the Thinking Out Loud series as well. New episodes every Sunday. Some good food for thought there. Think of it as a one-minute replacement for Sunday morning church. That's all for now. Until next time, my friends.